Blog Talk Radio. T-minus 30 seconds and counting. You know, this used to be a hell of a good country. I can't understand what's going on with it. Chaos. 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 T-minus 15. Oh, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. What you represent to them is freedom. We have ignition. All engines are running. We have liftoff. We have liftoff. Texas bikers and bikers all across the nation. This is Texas Biker Radio number 300. And the title of tonight's show is Bikers Down. And the reason we're saying that is, well, we'll explain it in a minute. My name is Mel Popeye Moss, my co-host, Mel O.T. Robbins. We are with Sons of Liberty Riders MC, located in Texas. And uh, good evening, Mel. How are you doing? Doing good. I think my eardrum's gone, but <laughs> I don't know what was well, going on there for a minute. <laughs> let me explain what happened there. Uh, I had more than one mic on here. Oh. So they were all feeding back through each other. It was one hell of a streak. And I was, tr- and I was trying to click them off as fast as I could. <laughs> So there must have been a camera mic, a uh, another mic, a mic from another computer, and uh, the the uh, the uh, my phone was open. Which matter of fact is I'm on the phone because we've had problems lately, and uh, so what? Um, and uh, well, that's just it. That's what the whole story, right? And it is it is all computer driven. So if you have too much going at one time, it's uh, it's a bad scene. But that being said, Mel, let's talk about uh, bikers down for a minute. Uh, motorcycle safety is key right now as the riding season starts for everybody. Of course, here in Texas, it never ends, does it? It sure as hell doesn't because we have a lot <laughs> of riding months out of the year. That's right. That's right. We'll ride all year long unless it's uh, unless it's pouring rain, and uh, sometimes we even get caught out in that. But uh, you know, um, we had a rider go down here this last weekend. Uh, he has been hospitalized. He's got a broke arm and uh, I think a few broke ribs, and um, was uh, he's nearing sixty years old. So you know it's. Uh, it's pretty rough on you when you go down at our age, right? Yeah, you just don't heal as fast as you used to. Yeah. Takes he is recovering. That's right. He is recovering. His little wife trouble. Uh, she had some road rash from the incident. She was on the bike with him. And, uh, you know, here in the Metroplex, and I'm sure it's like this for every major city across the country, where there's traffic jams, where the traffic will get up 
65, 70 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden it's 20 miles an hour and it's zero. And uh, so, you know, you've got to really be careful of the cars that are out in front of you, give enough space, make sure you have time to stop. And uh, oh, let me let make, me, sure let me make an there. observation here, Mel. It, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in this past uh, past couple of years, we've had uh, two or three incidents within our club where guys have gone down. Uh, some of them were pretty damn mm-hmm. serious. Uh, but you know, the first thing I want to say is is that uh, the major, very, I mean, well over ninety percent of the accidents we have witnessed as a club have been traffic, have been where traffic stopped in front of us, and the rider was yep. not able to stop or avoid that obstacle in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the secondary thing here is is those that were wearing a helmet. Uh, fared reasonably well, depending on the speed that they uh, uh, that they that they were going when they got abruptly stopped. But those that were not wearing a helmet, uh, it fared some fairly serious injuries. And to this date, I don't think I uh, have quite recovered. And one gentleman yeah. that we know, uh, I don't think is ever going to be right. He had neurological damage that. Uh, uh, he's not going to be able to overcome. So, yeah. you know, yeah. as much as I used to hate wearing a helmet, I got to tell you at this point, I am now just paranoid if I leave without a helmet on. Mm-hmm. Can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Just seen too much. You know, throughout my, exactly. And well, through my racing career, uh, you know, I wore a helmet, uh, when I was uh, riding in junior high and high school, of course we uh, we never wore helmets, and uh, you know I've been involved in a lot of crashes over my lifetime. But uh, you know it's after seeing what we've seen, uh, you know, happen to helmets, and also what's happened to people's heads that were not wearing a helmet, uh, it's it's better to be safe. Yeah, yeah. It is. and uh, you know we we've, uh, we've talked about even even the baddest of the bad now have started wearing helmets, may for be for a different reason, but they're wearing full face helmets. <laughs> yep, they're wearing they're wearing the the absolute best that you can wear, and I am strongly mm-hmm. considering making that purchase now myself. Right, exactly. Exactly, and uh, I noticed my line dropped off on the. Uh, but we're still going. We're okay. We're good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what you're looking at the control panel. I'm looking at, but uh, my line just dropped off on my control panel. So anyway, we're we're still going though. We're going off our our phones. I just thing. blew it off my screen. I got to log back in. <laughs> okay. No, I can. No, I I can see you on there. Yeah, yeah. Now what it's you don't see is the band a... call-in number. Right. Yeah. 
interesting. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it works without it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, motorcycles. The motorcycle safety season is coming on with Text Dot. Uh, all the uh, groups are getting ready to go out and get their motorcycle safety proclam- proclamations from the cities around the state. And uh, if you're of a mind to give them a hand, uh, you can do that by uh, visiting your local COC or COIR, Council of, of uh, Independent Riders, uh, so a coalition of independent riders. And uh, so pitch in. It's kind of fun to do, uh, to go have a city council. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it is. It is to, uh, you know, have them recognize the fact that uh, uh, there needs to be motorcycle safety, uh, uh, particularly with motorists watching out for motorcycles, because that is just a horror story. At this point, I mean, mm-hmm. people do not watch out for us. I was going to say the last, uh, the, the next thing I was going to say, the, the second greatest number of hits or almost hits have been people about to run you down because they don't see you. They're not mm-hmm. paying attention. They're either on a cell phone or they're texting or they're just oblivious to their surroundings. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. And uh, well, there's just been way too many deaths uh, on our highways uh, where the cars have uh, have not seen the motorcycles. And of course, they're busy. They're busy uh, texting and everything else, playing with gadgets in their cars. Instead of uh, instead of doing the things they should be doing. Well, you know, I'll I'll tell we you how I some type of hum in there. Go ahead. When I'm riding down the road, I'm either ahead of all traffic, or it's ahead of me, and I do not allow anyone to ride by my side. And if I'm coming up on a car, uh, I am really watching as to what in the hell that driver's doing. Uh, because mm-hmm. if it looks like he's going to swerve over, you know, it. Uh, uh, I, I was reading an interesting article in the uh, Hog magazine, uh, this last issue of Hog, and there were a couple of articles in there about uh, motorcycles and lane positioning. And you've got basically three positions within a lane. You've got to the left, to the right, and the center. Now, a lot of us don't favor the center because you can hit some slick spots in that center area, but there are times when you've got to ride down that center. They refer to it like being a fly on paper. You know how a fly moves around all the time, avoiding things? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when you're coming into corners, there's a position to be in that lane so that you get the longest view around that corner because uh, high up there on the list in motorcycle accidents are cars or other motorcycles that have crossed that line coming around the corner that tend to want to hit you head on. 
So there's lane positioning as you're entering a corner and you're leaving that corner where to be when you're passing traffic on the left, on the right. If you've got cars on both sides of you, I guarantee you, you want to be in the center and get the hell out of there. Right. And especially, especially with a semi-truck. The last Mm -hmm. place I want to be is either beside or behind a semi. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because, I, I mean, well, especially in the summertime. Because if they blow one of those caps and that road gator hits you, it can decapitate you, it can take a leg mm-hmm. off, it will kill you. And if you're right beside mm-hmm. that truck, uh, you hear all kinds of horror stories about that stuff. The safest place to be with a semi is either way the hell behind it or definitely in front of it. And I hate being mm-hmm. in traffic where I got a vehicle in front of me where I cannot see at least a quarter mile down the road. Exactly. exactly. So watch for those taillights. Yeah. Defensive hey, uh, driving. Just to remind our guests. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Just just to remind our guests, uh, we're going to have a, a, a someone call in uh, from Chicago. Uh, they're going to be interviewing us. Um, live on our radio program uh, for their programs that they do. So that'll be interesting to see how, uh, what kind of questions he asks. And, uh, um, that would be, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, it's called Motorcycle yeah. Madhouse, it's called. Yeah, Motorcycle Madhouse is going to be interviewing us here about 8.30, about 15 minutes from now. You know. Uh... So it should be interesting. Do you know what town he's from? Uh, he's close to the Chicago area, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what counts it. I'm sure we're going to be able to ask him, though. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's talk about what's going on in Waco right now. Uh Abel Rain has kind of had the chains pulled out from under him, or the carpet pulled out from under him, however you want to say it. Uh, he is. Uh, That's how I say it. Yeah. He's he's a true lame duck. Uh, there's not much he can do. He has no money to have any more trials because he's already spent this year's budget. So uh, there may not be another trial uh, this year. And then what he should be doing is going through his uh, his uh, evidence that he has and releasing the innocent. That's what he should be doing. Then he had, can't uh, can't do any trials. Yeah, he He's should be cleaning house for the incoming guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we, of course we know he's uh, he's pissed. He's vengeful, vengeful. There's nothing he can do about it. Uh, he's, <laughs> of course, he's got to get ready for his own trial, doesn't he? <laughs> Karma's a bitch. It is. It's. It so is. Um, 
he has, uh, over the past three years, he's painted himself into a corner. And I'm going to say too much about that because we're going to get that in the, in the interview here in a minute. But just where Abel Wayne is at now, he's, he's painted himself into a corner. There is nothing he can do. I don't think he can have a, a, another trial at all without busting the budget. The county commissioners have told him he can't, uh, he can't spend any more than what his budget allows, and he's already spent it all. And that's kind of a cool thing. But you know what, Mel? We participated in that, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> we helped earn some of that budget. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Seven times we did. It's incredible. But, uh, and especially the last time we showed up down there, we knew something was wrong when we didn't have any uh, have any deputies there to uh, to watch us. As they had been doing you know, I am before. still very disappointed in them in that, you know, well, first of all, I really didn't care, but it was disappointing that they didn't at least let us know. I mean, he had yeah. to email yeah. him what our itinerary was going to be the whole bit, and the very least they could have done was to tell us, hey, we're sorry, but... Uh, Issues have come up, and we are just not able to have any deputies there. Instead, mm-hmm. we had to oh, wait until yeah. we got there to find out. Yeah, surely did. Incredible thing. We got a noise on the line that sounds like somebody's sitting through a straw. You're drinking a malt, are you? No, I was going to say it I must know, be on your I, end because I'm not here. Yeah, I don't have a Bloody Mary. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, well, we'll save that the rest of the Abel Raina stuff for when we uh, when James comes online here. Ah, okay. What do you think about the Second Amendment rallies over the weekend by the children? I say shame on the parents. If my kid mm-hmm. ever, one of my children ever participated in something like that, they would regret that deeply. Okay. For every child <laughs> that was allowed to be there to do that was just a mm-hmm. sure sign of failure within that home to allow that to happen. Failure yeah. to educate your children properly and to make them accountable the things that they do. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Nothing, you know, it was nothing but a bunch of paid actors to begin with uh, mm-hmm. that were that were priming the kids to do that. Yes. That was just so exactly. evident. Teachers and <clears throat> entire school districts, the whole, the whole liberal realm was uh, was egging that on, and of course the. Yep. Uh, that uh, that hog kid, that uh, the camera hog, that oh, yeah. uh, has has now built himself a career off of his dead classmates, which I really find that incredible. Uh, when he first started appearing on television, uh, just minutes after his classmates had been gunned down, uh, he uh, he was busy 
getting in front of cameras. He's an articulate kid, uh, supposedly a journalist major, but uh, he was making sure he built his career, and he has done that now. He'll be able to do uh, anything he wants to within the liberal realm, whether it be with the media or whether it be as a politician or whatever. And uh, he was uh, for sure leading that uh, that uh, that mess you saw going in Washington D.C. of uh, children up talking about something they really they really don't understand or know about. Uh, our children have been brain brainwashed to work off of pure emotion. They don't use critical thought. Uh, everything is an emotional issue. Um, they think. Uh, you know, uh, they, they don't realize that the, the government that they look to to solve the problems are actually maybe uh, uh, causing the problems or they fail to react properly to what's going on um, across the country. That's the way I see it. That's for sure. In I fact, mean, uh, Rush Limbaugh I mean, has a favored term for those young children, he calls them mush heads, and it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Exactly, exactly. And, man, you know, since 9-11, and really before that, uh, we've needed to harden the soft targets in this country, and the schools are a part of that. Uh, our borders are still porous and open to this day, uh, of course, the liberals, uh, they're all for the open borders. They're all for flooding our nation with uh, with illegal aliens from everywhere, not just Mexico. And, uh, you know, people that are not of this country, that are really are coming here for benefits, they're not coming here to take apart and assimilate. They are coming here to take over. And it's my opinion about it, and it's just... Uh, it's not going to change. Of course, the people on the left, they see no problem with all this. And uh, so, you know, so now we've got children power uh, going on across the nation. Uh, you know, they'll be trying to influence their parents as they go along here and uh, indoctrinate them into the fold. Of course, if they come across somebody or like me, eventually it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, you got that right. You got that right. That's coming. You can see that mm-hmm. handwriting on the wall. That is so true. Mm-hmm. It's like we've been saying now, Mel. Before all this happened, that the children are eventually going to hand the keys over to the government. We are going to use and lose what rights we have. It's what's going to happen. Well, I thought it was tremendously funny. Uh, you know, they keep pushing on these uh, more more gun control, more gun legislation, and stricter this and stricter mm-hmm. that. And then at one of the school districts imposed clear backpacks in the school. They rebelled. Mm-hmm. Would have no part of it. Yeah. Said it was you a violation of their First now, Amendment they... rights. Yeah. You will... You can bet they are coming after assault rifles, or what they call oh, assault yeah. rifles. They're coming after those big time. Uh, not in five years. It will be this next legislative session 
uh, or uh, in this, these midterms, uh, is they will be coming hard after your AR-15 or whatever other type rifle you might have, semi-automatic. And I think if they could, they'd throw semi-automatic pistols in there too. Anything semi-automatic. Oh yeah, I would. I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't go for the semi-automatic. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. the route they're going to take. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the uh, anybody that's got a clip of probably more than what was the standard nine rounds. Yeah. But now we had it over the weekend. We had it. We had another uh, incident where the police officers shot a young black kid. Uh, in his backyard, Mel. In his freaking oh, wow. backyard. Supposedly, they got a call about somebody breaking into some cars or something. They come to this neighborhood, this kid's in his backyard, and this is, I'm getting this, no telling, second, third hand, whatever. But uh, the police, the police that yell at him to stop, they said they thought, they thought he had a gun in his hand. Uh, he did not have a gun in his hand. He had a cell phone, Mel. A cell phone was in his own backyard, and they shot him 20 times. And they'll get Let me violent. say this again. They, they shot him 20 times. What were they afraid of? This is... A, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I, you know, I've, I've given it a few days to settle down, and then I'll go read about it, and then we'll we'll talk about it at a later date. But let me tell you, this is what is driving the uh, the BLM and those like them to kill police officers. This kind oh, yeah. of mess. And we talked about their training before. Where if they even think they're going to be harmed, they're shooting to kill. Not, well, they are, one, not, not that they are going to be harmed, if yeah. they think they're going to be. Go ahead. Right. If they're worried. Uh, yes. The one refreshing thing I saw here recently, remember that gal that got killed in her nightgown in Minneapolis in the alley? She had called the police for disturbance, and uh, this Mm -hmm. Muslim shot across the inside of the squad car because she was standing at the driver's side, and the Muslim Mm -hmm. was sitting on the passenger side, and he fired across his partner and killed this gal. So he was alive. Now, my son told me, uh, not too long after we were talking, and uh, I didn't know whether he could talk about it or not. He said, "Oh yeah." He said, uh, "He said, uh, you know, I can't say a whole lot, but I'll tell you this much: he's in a lot of trouble." Well, it took mm-hmm. several months, but they finally posted. They uh, they they're putting him up on murder charges. Mm-hmm. He's, wow. he's been arrested. He has been arrested. Now he was, he was the pride of the mayor, 
because he was mm-hmm. one of the first Somali Muslims that had been selected to uh, be a Minneapolis police officer. So this was a this was a real blow mm-hmm. to the mayor and the Somali community because who knows what the hell this guy, this guy was thinking, but at least. We've got a situation here where the police police the police. Oh, yeah. 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 And, Mel, and it felt good you, to see that happen. Uh, that guy shot right across, right in, past his partner's face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I it mean, was unbelievable. I, oh, yeah, it was. It was. But Mel, let me say this: got uh, an eight one five on the line here, and I think that maybe if I have them, that maybe James. Am I right? Hey, how you doing, five five OG? We're doing good. We're doing really good. Uh, you know, we've had success down in Waco, and uh, so we're we're doing we're feeling our oats nowadays. You feel it, huh? My, yeah, or should I say my spinach is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I can't agree with you guys more. You know, I'm uh, getting up there uh, in age myself, uh, and with the helmets, yeah, I got out there and got my first one this year. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see enough of them go down, and I'll tell you, <laughs> you think, man, that could have been me. Oh, man. You know, it wakes you up when you see that kind of stuff. But uh, we appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your show right now and uh, taking a couple questions from uh, our listeners over at uh, Motorcycle Madhouse. Uh, For your listeners that don't know who I am, I'm uh, James Hollywood Machikari out of Chicago. And uh, we got ourselves a little uh, podcast ourselves going. Nothing like you guys, but... uh, you know, building it up right now. So if you guys don't mind, if we can ask you a couple questions. No, let's, oh, let's go. go. Let's get at it. <laughs> All righty then. Here we go. Uh, can you tell our listeners over at Motorcycle Madhouse a little bit about uh, te- Texas Biker Radio, what it started, and what you got you into the Internet Radio Forum? Uh, you want to handle that mail or you want me to? Well, actually, you're probably better prepared than I am to handle that one. <laughs> Because you wrote okay, me well, into this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this, this, tonight is our 300th program, so we've been at oh, this a wow. while. Congratulations, yeah, so we, 300. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's an Internet-driven radio show that we've been doing for quite a while now, and uh, we uh, talk about the issues of the day and uh, – as it pertains to motorcycles and maybe a little politics. And, and uh, uh, over the last three years, it's been a lot about Waco and McLean County, and mm-hmm. in particular the DA Abel Reyna. Right. Can you uh, tell uh, yeah. Can you tell us? That was actually my second question that I was going to ask you guys. Uh, can you tell about the audience over at Motorcycle Madhouse the character of District Attorney uh, Reyna, and you know before we got into uh, how Texas Biker Radio helped oust him and all that stuff in the primary? 
Well, ahead, I, can, I can I can tell you this. Uh, he, he it's been now. First of all, Waco, by its own sheriff, by the by the sheriff of McLennan County down there, uh, Waco is referred to as Six Shooter Junction. That town has a history going back even way before Branch Davidian, and I'm sure. Your listeners uh, remember Branch Davidian when uh, ATF went in there and wiped that uh, what they called a religious cult out and burned all those women and children to death? Oh, yeah, we remember that uh, uh, vividly. Well, even before then, there are stories, and I'm not going to name names, but there are stories of an individual whose uh, either dad or grandfather was the sheriff or chief of police uh, and he stood uh, in his daddy's office and watched a black man hung from a tree on a chain, burned to death with gasoline. That oh, town wow. has been has been run by a dynasty of families for decades. Uh, that is also Baylor University down there. So you've got a lot of protectionism going on. Uh, uh, around that college community, uh, with the uh, uh, with the people that have gone there, the college I'm sure is able to dictate some terms around Waco. Uh, so that oh, pretty yeah. well sets the stage. Now enter Abel Reyna. Now, uh, <laughs> what Abel Reyna was not admitting publicly because he was calling uh, Johnson, his opponent in the primary, a biker pick. That all the bikers sure. were backing this guy. Well, what Raina failed to tell the public was two terms ago when he was up, when he was running against the incumbent, he was being strongly backed by the biker community to get this other scumball out of there because there were, he was part of the swamp. He was a part. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. here you have the biker community backing Abel Raina. And uh, Abel set up his little dynasty, uh, often referred to as the uh, Reina Cartel. Uh, he took a literally from what we're hearing. Oh yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he made ample use of a law we have on the books here in Texas called civil asset forfeiture. Mm-hmm. And what that basically means is, is if you or I are riding down the road on a bike, uh, let's say I just left our church and I've collected dues and I got 800 bucks or $1,500 cash in my pocket and I get pulled over and the cops have me empty my pockets and I've got all that cash on me, either on me or in my saddlebags, they can confiscate it. Because they can say, well, we have reasonable reasonable suspicion here that that's drug-related money or money involved in a crime. Well, he was bragging. Uh, it was a year before the Twin Peaks shooting down in Waco. He had bragged in the Waco Tribune that as district attorney, they had done over well over a million dollars worth of civil asset forfeitures in McLennan County just that wow. past year. And that's where personal property gets uh, gets taken. Uh, word has it, Abel had an 18-wheeler 
that he put on the road for himself that got confiscated. Uh, there were other individuals that owned uh, uh, like pawn shops, secondhand stores, things like that, that a lot of the civil asset forfeiture stuff ended up in and was sold. So you had you had a lot of people maneuvering this stuff around, not to mention our private uh, private jail system that goes on in Waco, uh, where uh, I read an article in the newspaper where there was a bonus check paid to the sheriff annually uh, based on the uh, <clears throat> based on that private uh, that private jail that was going on, and yeah, the uh, the county has. Now, go ahead. Go ahead, Papa. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that 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 to the tune of about ninety five thousand dollars is what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Go ahead. That's a southern uh, so, cartel going on down there. Oh yeah. And then now let's set the stage. I mean, there's a lot of crap that went on prior to Waco or prior to the Twin Peaks shooting, where there were undercover officers working. Uh, with a uh, with a club down here that was uh, diametric, let's say diametrically opposed to the red and gold, and uh, it, the uh, most of the work I think was done in that arena with that particular club. Uh, there were undercover officers working it and uh, confidential informants, and as a matter of fact, there was a uh, there was an interview. That was publicized. It was uh, it was actually aired over the public air. Uh, they interviewed the president of the Cossacks, who was talking about the police had visited him two weeks before uh, the COC meeting at Twin Peaks, and asked him, you know, you ready? Is everything okay? And he said, Yeah, we are ready to go. The police department arrived at Twin Peaks just before 7 o'clock in the morning with their SWAT teams, and DPS was there from the state. There were federal agencies there, and they ringed that that area. Now, that's kind of a strip mall. There were two restaurants there. There was Twin Peaks, and right across from it, in the parking lot was Don Carlos, and directly behind those restaurants was a strip mall with a lot of cars parked. So they had an L formation set up, and uh, they actually had time to put a camera up on the pole. So when this thing went off, now every one that was killed, the ballistics reports showed that everyone that was killed had uh, quarter-inch holes in them. In the back, that was two, two, throat. threes, right? Yep. <laughs> that's that's the signature of a two-two-three. They were now. shot in the back, the chest, the throat, and the head. How many uh, some of were ki- how, how many, many were came on back the ground with, uh, and more... shot in the back? Wow. Well, how many came back with two-two-threes? Well, here's the interesting part. There were only three uh, 223s, uh, let's say AR-15s, from the police department that were ever ballistically checked. None of the others were ever checked. 
That's why they never brought him into evidence. So you, how now, is that possible they didn't check it, whether it was an active <laughs> shooting? Well, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a favorite statement here in Texas. How the hell does that happen? How is that possible? How the hell did the JP set up a, a million-dollar bond on over 170 people? I think it was 177 people had a million-dollar bond posted. How the hell do you do that? How do you arrest everyone that's sitting in the restaurant that, that you deem is now part of some criminal activity? Now, it, well, we can blame the Waco Police Department for the major part of those killings. The acting deputy or, or the acting chief, because the regular chief was out of town, was getting ready to conduct a murder investigation and was basically just going to arrest the people in the parking lot, because that's where it started. It started when a dozen banditos pulled in the Twin Peaks, and there were 50 to 60 Cossacks on the outside patio that had moved in earlier. They showed up about noon, a little bit earlier, and the COC meeting started at 2. If so I can you stop had about you there for, If I can stop you there for a minute. Sure, uh, sure. Were the were the ugly man Cossacks a part of the COC? And if not, why didn't the police no. stop them from coming in the meeting in the first place? Well, there's another major question. If the police knew or had an idea that something was coming off, and they set up their firing range uh, there at Twin Peaks, why the hell didn't they make their presence known? All they had to do was spot several squad cars around the parking lot and everything would have dissipated rather quickly. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They wanted this to happen. And I'm I'm getting to that. Uh, Two things happened here. One, uh, the police were going to let the people go inside the restaurant. They just wanted to conduct a murder investigation for the parking lot. And Mm -hmm. while we can basically blame the Waco PD for killing these guys or killing the majority of them. Up comes Abel Reyna personally and said, no, hell no, you're not going to let the people in the restaurant go. We're arresting everybody. He Now, is that everybody with a patch or it was civilians too? Well, it was everybody with a patch. Now they did start they did let a couple clubs go that didn't appear to be wearing any support colors like uh you know support the fat, uh support your fat mexican or uh, SYLB anything that was gold and red they dialed in on there were a couple of ministry clubs they let go uh the blues fighters stuff like that but uh they were basically after anybody they felt had anything at all to do with the banditos. Um, and he superseded. And the yep. And the Cossacks. He superseded that chief of police and detained everybody, put him up on a million dollar bond. Now, what does he do at trial? The first trial? He doesn't, he isn't going after Jake Carrizal for shooting anybody, because all Jake did was defend himself. He spent weeks bringing people in on the stand 
talking about the banditos, the dominant clubs. They even showed video from Sons of Anarchy. To try. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is how stupid it got, okay? That's King Kangaroo Court. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 jury was behind was beside themselves in boredom, and this is why it cost so much. But it it started to, the picture started to come out because Abel Reina was heard making the statement when he first showed up. This case is going to make my career in Austin. So he's trying to he, go for the governor's office on the back of. He was either going for governor or AG. Okay, so. Uh, uh, it it became pretty evident pretty quickly exactly what they were up to. First of all, they wiped out, they pretty well wiped out the Cossacks there locally. Right. Uh, Well, with that, that, can you tell us us the events you believe led up to the the Twin Peaks incident? Because it was kind of, you know, Surprising this morning, we received uh, an actually a post on our website from Casey Gatro. Uh, for those that don't know her, uh, I actually call her the pit bull because she's a hell of an attorney and she defended the uh-huh. And she sent up, uh, actually she posted uh, a text that was, actually her words was, informed decisions are always the best. This message is dated 422 of 2015. But it shows a message from one of the Cossacks that said, uh, Twin Peaks bike night this Thursday night. Let's do this shit, brothers. Push it all down the way and hang arounds. May get interesting this week after what was sent to Spider today. And then it says 6 p.m. Legend Cycles. Get with your chapters. So did the cops know about this stuff? And that's why we're kind of confused up here if they knew about something like this. Oh hell yeah! Why they, they all, because they, they let this down, you know, let it go down like this. They they knew everything that was going on. They had informants mm-hmm. in working inside the Cossacks. They had undercover working there. They did mm-hmm. everything they could to make it happen because they wanted to do two things. They wanted to take out that local Cossack chapter, and they wanted to take down the banditos like the ATF has been after the Mongol for years to go mm-hmm. after their trademark. That's right. mm-hmm. all right. they had in mind. And, let, and that, that was a grand point, plan. Yeah, Mel, let me point out that the uh, the informants and the under, undercovers, uh, they pulled out. Uh, they chickened out. They, did, they didn't stay for the fireworks there inside Twin Peaks. Uh, they decided to to not put them inside. So they actually, the only eyes they had that was of what was going on was when they could see uh, through their cameras and stuff that the Cossacks had came in and taken up all the parking spaces and all the tables in the area where they, uh, where the meeting was supposed to take place. That's what they could see. They no longer had eyes yeah. on the inside. Was uh, at Jake's trial, were they able to get uh, the informants uh, exposed to uh, the defense? You ready for this? <laughs> all of a sudden. That's, well, that's standard all procedure. Of, I know that. All, know, of sudden, all, of sudden, all of a sudden, the undercovers and the CIs, uh, they, they, were, uh, they had amnesia. They weren't good witnesses at all. 
and they yeah. didn't they didn't help Abel Reina's cause at all. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean this yeah. this thing stunk so bad. Abel Reina was having problems. Uh, uh, first of all, the feds refused to release any evidence they had relevant to a trial that has now started down in San Antonio where they're trying uh, the national president, vice president, and sergeant-at-arms of the Bandidos. And they supposedly had some wiretap evidence and uh, some other things, and uh, they absolutely refused to release any of their evidence to Abel Reyna prior to Mm -hmm. their trial starting down in San Antonio. Right. Uh, now, when that's you say sergeant-at-arms, that's a different sergeant-at-arms because I knew, you know, we did a reporting on a former one that's actually testifying against them now, right? Am I correct right. in that? Right, Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it's trying to, I, I've been kind of watching this with a little fascination. It uh, it seems like there was a, uh, a chapter president in San Antonio involved. I think this National Sergeant at Arms that we're referring to uh, is also the one that's turning state's evidence or federal evidence to get a reduced sentence. They correct. And or and or get on witness protection. Correct. So the two that are standing there fighting this whole thing off would be the president and vice president. Right. Pike and Portillo, right? Right. Right. Okay. And the whole thing started with a uh, – uh, I think they picked up the chapter president in San Antonio on a drug possession and mm-hmm. turned him with a wire, uh, which got them the sergeant-at-arms, national sergeant-at-arms, who they turned, who brought in the president and vice president. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how this all turns out. I've, i I, I got to tell you, uh, confidential informants, are my fa- one of my favorite subjects because when you start talking about deals that the feds make and confidential informants, you got to remember one major thing here, the enticement for these people to talk. Right. And what they, what they tell these informants is, is unless you give me something good, we're not going to help you at all. So whatever Correct. you give me better be damn good. So these people, if they can't, plausibly make something up or plausibly make it happen, they're dead. Exactly. So so you Well we kinda actually had a conversation about CIs to me are the lowest form there is, you know, next to child molesters because they get in the game, you know, they knew what they were involved in, you know what? Don't try taking somebody else with you. But you just made a great point about how the government offers you something because if oh, you yeah. look at the greatest case of them all, as far as rats are concerned, Sammy the Bull Gravano, here's a guy who killed 19 people and only got five years just because they right. wanted to get the yeah. body. Right. And exactly. who knows if he told the entire truth? Because a lot of times they have to enhance what they're saying to make it good enough for the, uh, for the U.S. attorney to file for that 5K release. To allow the judge to step out of that mandatory sentencing guideline grid. Right. Well, that case just shows how far the government would go if they're actually out for somebody. Is you're going to let some guy off? Oh. Uh, 
you know, after 19 murders and just give him five years and write his own ticket again. So I feel pretty, you know, sorry for Pike and Bortilla right now, what they're having to face right now. Yeah, that's right. So we set our sights on getting things turned around. We knew it was rotten to begin with, and we called it from day one. We referred to it as the St. Valentine's Massacre by law enforcement from day one, Mm -hmm. and we were never challenged. I mean, when you start blogging that stuff and start talking about it on blog talk radio, I would think if you're saying stuff that's not true, somebody's going to call you on it. And we've never been called. Well, you guys have been leading the way with uh, your radio show and uh, the Facebook uh, group All for One. I hope I'm uh, saying that right. But you guys were really instrumental in helping get, you know, this DA ousted during the primary. How were you able to get, you know, that many bikers in the community together to help stage a 20-point routing? I mean, this guy was smoked. It didn't. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to let Popeye explain to you in a second uh, some of the stuff that he invoked, but uh, you probably never saw some of the ads that we ran in the Waco Tribune. They were pretty okay. damned aggressive and pretty abrasive. Mm-hmm. And okay. what we did was we tried to drive the public. We were trying to influence the public who we knew would be sitting on that jury. Were you guys working with Tommy uh, Witherspoon over at the Waco? No, no. We were working yeah, with the ad department. Really, we, oh, okay. Because yeah. I know he was really covering the stories, you know, from the start uh, to now. Well, I think once the biker community started raising so much hell and brought out so many facts, we had a ton of of uh, self-made journalists out there that started helping us with the website. We have TexasBikerRadio.org, uh, where we had a Waco tab on there, and there is a litany of information there. And then we have the uh, for my uh, For my audience, I just put up uh, that banner for you on uh, our main page, HarleyLiberty.com, so you can go right there and go see Popeye and OG. <laughs> Okay, yeah. and then uh, we also have a another public website called Sons of Liberty Riders MC. We're act, that's our club, and we actually sponsor all this stuff. Okay, I'll and make sure, uh, uh, Robert gets that banner up for you then. Okay, great. Uh, so uh, we, we we ran some very aggressive ads. We took donations to run those ads, and we ran one nasty ad on Rena just before the primary. And at that mm-hmm. point, Popeye, I'll turn it over to you. Well, you know, yeah, you're talking uh, about ads. How was he able to get away with running the ad of an actual defendant in the case? <laughs> well, Popeye you know what? In, 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 <laughs> yeah, I was in the ad also. Uh, now, when when he did that, when he when he attacked us, uh, I knew at that point we had it. Mm-hmm. We really did. Uh, uh, let me tell you, it it took a, a over the past three years, uh, we had been honing the battlefield uh, all along the way. Uh, this thing was political. Mm-hmm. 
I knew that I knew that politics was had to do a, a lot with what happened, a lot with what was going on, especially when we got around to the uh, uh, the, the courthouse. Uh, the, uh, the first person to come up was Sergeant Swanton. If you remember him, he was the mouthpiece that was uh, that was vilifying bikers for weeks on end. And to this uh-huh. day, he'll tell you he was right in everything he was saying. Uh, uh-huh. the, the man's a certified the man's a certified liar. Uh, but you uh-huh. know, we know we know that uh, uh, law enforcement is not they're not always bastions of truth. Uh, uh-huh. so, uh, first we took on first we took on Abel, uh, not Abel Rana, uh, Sergeant Swanton, uh, who decided he was going to use his fifteen minutes of fame to run for sheriff, and. Uh-huh. Uh, we saw to we saw to it using the same methods that I've used to again and again to knock incumbents out of office. Except for he was an incumbent, he was a newbie. Uh, we uh, we were going to have anybody but him, anybody uh-huh. but him. And so we uh, uh, we ran our ads. We did the same thing. We drove people toward our website to get information uh, aimed at the, the citizens of McLaren County. Uh, so uh, you know, so we kept him from the uh, the, uh, the sheriff's office. Matter of fact, is he didn't even get close. Uh, so uh, we do have Sheriff McNamara now, who has a lot of uh, uh, big family name and history there in Waco. So you know, that's what they like down there. Uh, so uh, that that's who's sheriff right now. And then uh, we uh, we started setting our sights on Abel Reyna. As we were going along here, a lot of things had to happen right for to knock an incumbent out of office. Uh, one, you need a good candidate to run against him. Uh, Barry Johnson was that. That number one thing he had going for him, he was an honest man. That's what I felt. Uh, and Abel Reyna is just a, a, a liar, like in the mold of Swan. Except for maybe worse, he has power. Uh, we call him Boss Hog. Yeah. yeah. So we set our sights on him. Another one, another one, a Baylor U grad, a uh, a long family name. His father was a judge. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, he was young. He was Hispanic. He was everything that uh, that Republicans just dream about. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were going to have his back all the way. So uh, I knew it was going to be a little bit harder. Uh, but uh, as we went along there, the numbers trending. I always watch numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a formula for winning these races, and there's a few things that, has, that, that we, we make happen. Uh, mm-hmm. One, we kept them spending money. We kept them spending money. Did he and have any outside uh, Republican now, help come in as far as money is concerned? No. None. No, I'm talking about Reyna. Did he have any outside? Oh, Reyna? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He did. Don't tell me how much he spent on this thing. I'm not sure how much it is. I could probably go to public records and find out. Was uh, he endorsed by, say, the state attorney general or anything? And did he gain any of those endorsements from them he was, guys? He was. He was. In, he was endorsed by law enforcement. Period. Uh, you know, at his. At his. Uh, at his, <laughs> at his victory party that turned out not to be a victory, uh, he had all the uh, the big players uh, over there at his victory party, the sheriff, 
police chiefs and everybody else, judges, uh, all these people that had uh, been former law partners and mm. classmates at Baylor U, whatever. They were all over there. The swamp, the Texas uh, swamp. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. the Texas swamp. Well, we call it the good old boy network. (laughs) They were all over there. And so so we just basically went to work. Uh, We had truth on our side. How do you think uh, social media played in uh, all this, you know, by organizing? Did you guys get out there grassrooting or going door to door? It, it was a there combination was, of every. It's yeah. a combination of every bit of it. We had bikers locally down there that were helping. Uh, we were working social media, and then we were. There, there's some other things that I can't say because I'm not going to give away trade secrets. Right, uh, right. But well, darn but man, I was the, hoping to get but, rid of the Democratic Chicago machine up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good well, luck. The, the, I lived in Chicago the, for three years. <laughs> it's 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 hard enough here in Texas. Uh, it it really is. It's uh, uh, Waco is a reflection of the rest of the state. Any place where there's a county where there's a major university, you have the same thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's thing. hard to. It's really hard to believe. You know, not to get off subject. That 177, I hope I got my numbers right, were arrested after all was said and done. Mm -hmm. Personally, for those outside of Texas, it looked like a Keystone Cop or a Gestapo type of operation. How was it that 177 people were arrested, and then what charges did they face? Were they all charged with one thing, like it's been said, like mob action? Or, you know, it's like it's really confusing for those outside of uh, Texas to understand how many people got arrested down there. Let me say this. That will not happen again for many, many, many years. And more than likely, that would be a a military-type trial. Uh, this will not happen in a county courthouse again by a county DA. Mm-hmm. The feds may try it at some point, but I don't think they're that dumb. Uh, although they do have the budget to get it done. Uh, your your local county DA does not have the budget to try 100, what ended up being 154 people. They don't have the budget to do that. It would take 13 years to run everybody through that court. That's a long time to wait to prove you're innocent. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, uh, speedy trials nowadays or whatever they say it is, if there, there's no such thing as a speedy trial if they don't want it to be. Uh, in this case, they were foot dragging to make people suffer is what they were doing. Right. Well, and what's scary are. is the right to due process for these people seem to be just null and void. That's right. Exactly. That's, that's what got scary. us involved. And it was. It was. You bet that's scary. You know, that is, that's a, you know, you can't say it other than it was a Gestapo action by, a, you know, a government agency. And that was American citizens. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. But let me say this. The, the, the ability for law enforcement to vilify bikers and with no questions asked by anyone. This is how they get away with it. This is mm-hmm. how they get away with it. We've got to expose this and uh, and share this publicly with everybody. 
every citizen should know that you have the right to due process and that nobody should step on that, no matter who you are, what you're wearing, what you look like, what your ethnicity is. Uh, you sh- you cannot be denied due process as American citizen. And so this this we went to work. The minute this stuff started happening, and the minute we realized that there's a bunch of lies going on, uh, we jumped on it and have been on it now for three years, and it's not over. Right. You know, with the multiple reports that, you know, Reina is under, you know, investigation for corruption and stuff, do you think that investigation is going to have any outcome on the remaining cases that are still pending? Well, no, I, I, let, let me say, you want to handle that now? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say there's a, there's a couple facets here. Uh, uh, the first one being that uh, Abel Reyna has been pretty well checkmated by the, uh, by the county commissioners on the basis that he cannot exceed his budget for the balance of the year. Now, that first trial cost them... Uh, well over a million dollars, and to date, they are close to somewhere between three and four million dollars in expenditure, just getting prepared, plus that first trial. Mm-hmm. Um, they have over. Well, what I don't understand about civil... the commissioners is why they waited all this time. Why didn't they stop this when they had the chance? Well, to no. See, that's a it's, it's a law based on a lame duck politician. Oh, one of them. Okay. Right. Right. And see, see, they can invoke that. That stops madness if they've lost their uh, their post. So he is pretty well constrained on what in the hell he can do. Plus, which Johnson, who will inevitably be the district attorney, now he's got an independent running against him in the general, but uh, they don't have much of a shot down here. Um, mm-hmm. Had promised emphatically that he would appoint investigators to review each and every one of those cases and would immediately dismiss anything that did not have merit. So we really suspect there will be no further trials except for anybody that is caught dead to rights murdering somebody on a videotape. Yeah. Which makes sense. Do you think that if anyone does get convicted... Say like you just said, uh, you know, got dead to rights. But with the behavior of uh, the DA who handled the situation, you think it'd be uh, overturned on appeal? Uh, not if they've got videotape evidence of somebody actually shooting somebody. Now, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen in an appeal court? Uh, Everyone knows that there was some evil that happened there just based on probably the best testimony that was ever given in that first trial was given by the manager of Twin Peaks talking about what in the hell was exactly going on at Twin Peaks the day of that shooting. And uh, uh, if people listen to that, and I'm sure he'll be brought in again if there's a if there's a murder trial. It, it it starts to make sense that there was a setup there to kill, 
And uh, there are some people that are damn sure guilty and uh, ought to be taken to task on it. Exactly. Let me say this, Bill. Let me me say this. If he is not brought in again, the fix is in. Yes. That, That guy should be in every trial. Yep. Because he is the first-hand witness of what went on before the shooting started. He, he, he was the best witness in that first trial. Uh, it was just an amazing testimony. Do you think uh, they're yeah. going to try to go back after Jake? No. I don't think so. It's already yeah. been delayed Jake. again. Yeah, Jake is a is just a sterling example of a man protecting himself and his family. Let's not forget there were only twelve of them that rolled in to park their bikes and go to the meeting. Twelve. If there was exactly. any any scheme going on for some kind of a war, they'd have shown up with two or three hundred. Well, exactly. I know that for a fact because if there yeah. was something going down, they'd have chapters coming yeah. all over the place. Yeah. You so, know, 12 I mean, guys go, was, pull yep. up to a COC uh, meeting, that's nothing. You know, there's no conspiracy there on yep. their behalf. Casey Gotro made a beautiful point of, you know, a man protecting himself and his family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, when is that against the law, especially in Texas? Well, yeah, that's exactly. what we down in Texas. You know, That's right. Uh, there, there are some you know, unique things here. Last question, because I know you guys got your show going. Uh, what do you think the biker community as a whole needs to learn about this incident, you know, now and in the future and in the past? What do we need to know about this incident? <sighs> well, Mayor, yeah. you can go first and then I'll go next. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. okay. There's a major move across the United States right now on uh, motorcycle profiling. Uh, If you can get that stopped dead in its tracks, that's going to stop a lot of other stuff that's going on. Uh, We have to get to the proper legislators and get the proper legislation passed to stop a lot of crap that is going on with law enforcement. I'll give you, well, you know what, OG, that you just brought that up, and I'm not to uh, interrupt you, but we're actually sure. taking on uh, the task, Ryan Erlacher of LawAbidingBiker.com, and I quote, if you're classified as a 1% or outlaw motorcycle uh, gang or OMG by the federal government, then you're already legally being criminally profiled. That's right. Exactly. That's right. We had a meeting, uh, and we didn't even realize what the hell was going on. But uh, we, uh, before, during, and after the meeting, we saw the effect, and we were just blown away. But we had a meeting with a congressman here. Uh, it was a U.S. defender meeting uh, where we were going in talking about uh, – legislation and stuff and we just happened to bring up remember when they used to uh especially with the rallies in florida they set up these motorcycle safety checkpoints going in and out of florida and they pull over all these bikers and it, uh, was, it was done by a, Daytona this year yeah do it it was uh done via federal funding where the feds would would fund local police departments 
Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's if it's fired up once again, then it's gotten away. But it was stopped there for a while because this congressman we were talking to, as it turns out, sat on the committee that was involved with letting those funds out, and he never quite understood what in the hell was going on until we explained it to him. Wow. Now we know for a time for a time after that it stopped, but you're telling me that it got pretty bad again this year. No, it was really bad this year. Well, yeah. I'll bet you you they did it without federal funding. Could have. They just did it. Yeah. Actually, uh, you know, you guys are really into the you're really into the Constitution and stuff. And we, uh, from this year, one of uh, the county sheriffs actually came on to the news and declared outlaw motorcycle clubs domestic terrorists. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I Let me tell you this. Video. <laughs> uh, we 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 had that happen when when the banditos when when all this Twin Peaks mess went down, we had one of the local disc, uh talk show guys saying the same thing. And uh you know, over a period of time I've worked on him kind of changed his mind about that as things have gone gone on, and I also point out I have let me tell you I have dug through the FBI records. I have dug through more, more done more reading, more research than anybody could probably uh, could, could probably do. Probably more than the lawyers did. Uh, you know, reading about all this stuff, reading about one percent clubs, reading about the FBI files, reading uh, reading their motor motorcycle gang assessment reports, both in the both in the uh, from the FBI and from the DPS, the Department of Public Safety here in Texas, uh, they're cut and paste garbage. It's what they are. Uh, it goes that stuff. They've been saying the same thing for the last thirty years. There's really nothing new there. Uh, they they struggle to make a, 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 a even a one percent club a two tier gang. Uh, they they like to. Uh, to make them sound as if they're a street gang, which they are not. And right, uh, so, right. you know, I mean, uh, uh, the FBI, and one of the FBI testimonies I, I read, and I remember this vividly, they said uh, uh, motorcycle clubs or so-called outlaw gangs are opportunists. In other words, they go, uh, somebody gets a, gets a chance to make some big money, some fast money, and they go out there and do it. Well, the, the leadership of the of the motorcycle club may not even know what's going on. It's some exactly. moron that's out there trying to make a fast buck, and that's exactly. what's going on. So that does not constitute a conspiracy or any kind of thing like that. Uh, you know, I mean, you see well, what's going on over in Queensland, Australia, if you let this stuff run wild. Oh, the odds is terrible. I get I have dinner with with newspapers over there all the time about my opinion on that stuff. But you brought mm-hmm. up uh, this uh, situation as far as you know the whole club being responsible for one guy, and I just got done right. debating uh, the sh- sheriff in Lemire, Wisconsin, and you know he you know got shut up pretty quick. If you go to the motorcycle uh, profiling project, Double D runs a good website over there. And right. a study was just released, I think it was out of Kentucky, that more cops are arrested and charged yeah. than more, you know, 
how well motorcycle club members are. You know, that's telling you something mm-hmm. there. And then they'll bring up, of yeah. course, well, there's more cops, blah, blah, blah. Well, ain't one cop uh, getting arrested being a child molester enough? <laughs> hey, let me tell you, yeah. I, and I've been bringing that, I've been bringing that point up for, for years now, that the, the uh, law enforcement is guilty of more, the more crimes that they accuse the bikers of than all the motorcycle groups put together. It's astounding over a 10-year period how many, we call them OPOs, that's what we dubbed them, outlaw public officials uh, that are guilty of crimes uh, committed across this country, all the way, everything from murder to fraud to uh, embezzlement, uh, you name it, it goes on and on and on. There's thousands of them, uh, and, you know, and we're talking about three banditos on trial down there in San Antonio, which is really not getting much press here in Texas. Right, right. Well, you know, guys, I really appreciate you letting me come on your show and let me talk to you and all that good stuff. I just want to tell my listeners, come over here every Monday. You know, OG and Popeye, they're on their game. So, uh, you know, thanks a lot, guys, for letting me come on. Thank you. It's been fun. We appreciate it. You guys got a great show, man. Keep up the fight, guys. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Okay, Mayo, that was fun. Yeah, that was. Uh, That was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey, Mayo, uh, I just heard today that Obama wants to clone, uh, make out of the children, a million little Obamas. Oh, yeah. And he wants to change those little minds of mush into little Obamas. You know what, Mel? I think they've already pretty well done that. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. Oh, and so. one other note. Yeah, one other note. Dallas is rebuilding its gang unit. I don't know why. But that's what the oh, new police Lord. chief is going to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll see yeah how they works. don't even have enough oh. police officers. Right. And to just to let you know that the little children have been good little Democrats while in D.C., they left trash all over the place. They trashed the place, didn't pick up their mess, and left it for somebody else to clean up. Typical, typical liberals. But they yeah, did have some can, trucker uh, up there, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did have. They did have some trucker up there that had his truck running and was getting them all with diesel smoke. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that was their big. That was one of their big bitches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wish I could have been there. <laughs> so, yeah, so now they're talking about kids with nukes. So now we've gone from guns to nukes. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, maybe we'll study it for the next show. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, maybe that, that would be that would be that would be Kim Jong Un, uh, who's a kid with yeah. nuke, right? Yeah, with his <laughs> junk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Mel, I said what that made up, that ate up most of our time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that dried me up. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> well, uh, any last thoughts, man? Uh, you know, any thought that I had is probably gone at this point. There was some, uh, uh, oh yeah, there was a, and, and this isn't really a biker thing. You know, the wall, the famous wall that everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about a theory that is being floated by Rush Limbaugh today. It was being floated by him and he has heard rumblings of this. And this rumor is not coming from within the conservatives. It's coming from the Mm -hmm. liberals. And they're worried as Uh hell because they're doing everything they can to stop this man from building a wall on our southern border. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it's to the tune of, what, $25 billion or something like that is what they figure the wall is going to cost. Well, everyone's mm-hmm. been wondering and trying to second guess why the hell Trump fell for this omnibus bill. Mm-hmm. They've been really trying to figure it out because it can be a little disturbing if you let it get to you. Yeah. You know why why he faded like he did? But you know he went on national television and he explained that while he was going to veto this thing, uh, Mad Dog basically talked him out of it because there's a lot of benefit in there for the military. There's something like six or $700 billion of right. this uh, over trillion dollar budget involving the military. Yeah. yeah, to rebuild our military, which is pretty damn important because Obama did everything up to and including cut our nuts off in the last eight years. So... Mm-hmm. But here's here's the theory, here's the fear that's coming from the liberals. Trump can, it is feared that he can legally declare, because he made a couple key statements in a text about national security. Mm-hmm. By issuing the proper proclamations, he can create a national security emergency on our southern border. And he can you take $25 billion out of that six or $700 billion and smack up a wall under a federal mandate. And nobody can touch there you it. Know. So interesting uh, to watch to see if that ever bears fruit. I thought you were going to tell me he was going to hire I thought you were going to tell me that he was going to hire Mexicans to build it. Yeah, yeah well, he could. You know, he could go to your local yeah. street corner. Hey, it's not us that's building it. It's them. <laughs> it's not us that's building it. It's them. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's getting goofy now. All right, man. Yes. Hey, I think we've got another one done. Okay. With that, everybody, like join us next All time. Right. This was show number 301. Join us next time for show number 301. And no telling what's going to happen between now and then. It's always something. Yep. With that, everybody, good evening. Bye-bye. Good night. That's all, folks.